I was worshiping here this morning, and we're going to continue this message called Responsive Life, or Responding to God. And I feel so sober-minded lately, like there are seasons while I'm pastoring New Day, it's a little bit, Ooh, yeah, hey, hello. Do you want me to do a handheld, or are we good, you feel like? We're good, okay. So there's moments when it's like, man, I'm super happy and super excited and super like, my Nancy, good to see you. Um, just super like, man, God, you're, you're doing something. And then I feel this sober-mindedness coming over, even my messages. Like, I, I don't want to come across strong or serious, um, but I really felt like the Lord confirmed, Justin, you're plowing people's hearts right now with this message. You're, you're, you're helping them get to a place where their heart is ready to live out the things that I have for them. And so just bear with me with that. I, 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 I'm doing my best to make sure that I don't come across like, hey, the world's blowing up. I need to do something, you know? And I, I don't think I tend to do that. But I do, I do feel a seriousness to this series that we've been in. Now, this message that I'm doing this morning and have done for the last three weeks on this responsive life, this is not just a, hey, have a better attitude, everybody, and have a better perspective. You can go to any bookstore, you can go to Amazon, and you can type in, hey, how to have a better attitude or a positive attitude, and there will be thousands and thousands and thousands of books on teaching you how to have a better attitude. That is not the goal here, nor is that the way of the kingdom of God. Just to have, just try to make sure you have a better outlook on life. This is about learning how to be responsive to the Father. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we become, become acquainted with this one who is the creator of the universe, but yet has a relationship individually with each one of us and is constantly prompting you, is constantly guiding you, is constantly bringing you to a place. And all he wants from us is to respond to him. So when it comes to a negative news or bad news that you've heard or a tough situation or overcoming problems, realize it's not about you going, hey, guys, man, be a little bit more joyful. Count it all joy and go and rejoice and praise God. I could tell you that till I'm blue in the face and you could try your heart out and try your best to go and be good Christians and respond rightly. But how many know that has an expiration date on it? eventually you bust. Eventually you start to just complain. Eventually you start to go, you know what? I can't do this anymore, God. So that's not what this is about. This is about learning, and that's the key word, learning how to respond to him in every situation, toward every single person. And we saw that from Jesus. He learned how to respond always to him. And so we get to watch this life unfold in the scriptures. We get to watch this life of a man who was God sent to earth responding to only one source. If you have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7. These are the closing thoughts of Tim, or Paul writing to Timothy. He's coming toward the end of his life and he says these words as he writes the second letter to Timothy. I have what? I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So as I look at this passage, this is kind of what jumps out to me. There's a fight, 
that we need to uh, fight. There's a fight that has to be fought. So we're in a fight. I don't think anybody can deny that. We're, we're, we're in a battle. We, we are called to take up the whole armor of God and fight with the spiritual weapons. So there's a fight that we have to fight. But I also look at this and I realize there's a race that we have to what? We have to finish. I want to encourage every single one of you for the sake of the next generation, finish your race that you set out to do and believe in God and living the, the life that God has called you to do. Keep on fighting the fight. Keep on finish, or running the race. And then it says these words, I have what? Kept the faith. So there's a faith, the faith that is meant to be kept, to be held on to. And the only reason Paul would say I have to keep it is because there's someone out there called the enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he is coming not after you. He is coming after your faith. He wants you to begin to doubt in the goodness of God. He wants you to begin to go, I know you said that, God, but I don't see it. He wants you to begin to get to a place where you're no longer keeping the faith. You've actually let go. Why? Because life is too hard. Things just happening too much. I just can't take it anymore. And that's where I want to encourage you is keep on fighting, keep on running, and keep the faith. Romans 5.17 says these words. I really encourage you, whenever you just see me share one passage, it's just because we don't have the time to go through the entire passages. Uh, but it says this, For if by one man's offense, speaking of Adam, death reigned through the one, much more. I love that word throughout the epistles of Paul. Much more through one man's what? Obedience. Through the obedience of Jesus Christ, we can what? Receive the abundance of, of what? Okay, grace comes in what? Abundance. Have you ever had too much of something? Like, go to one of my mom's or my aunt's house and they'll have way too much food for the amount of people that are going to show up. It's like there's an abundance of something, means that there's more than enough. Yes, and so he says there's an abundance of grace, but it has to be received. And he said, not only do you receive this abundance of grace, but also receive what? The gift of righteousness. So that you may reign. Now this is a key word, and I really wanted to highlight it in this verse, that you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we are called to reign in life. But that doesn't that there won't be issues. It's possible to reign in life and issues continue to come at your life. It's possible to reign in your life and still yet there are detours that are going to happen inside your life. How many have ever experienced a detour? Like you're like, man, I'm excited. This is awesome. God's going to do this. And it's like the car just turned. And you're like, where are we going? This is totally not the right way to go. Like that's the easy way to go, Lord. Why would we go this way? So there's detours that happen constantly. Reigning in life doesn't mean that you're not going to have setbacks. And reigning in your life doesn't mean that there's not going to be stresses. But what it does mean is that self and sin and circumstances no longer call the shots in your life. Let me say that again. If you're going to reign in life by receiving the abundance of grace and receiving the gift of righteousness, 
To reign in life doesn't mean you're not going to have a whole bunch of issues. Many are the afflictions of the, but he will deliver us out of them all. So I, I'm not pretending that by reigning in life, I'm not going to have afflictions. But I can tell you this, afflictions and sin and circumstances will not dominate me. They won't dominate my conversations. They won't dominate my mind. They won't dominate my heart. They won't dominate how I live for God. They won't dominate whether I'm going to go after God. They're not going to dominate whether I worship God. That's a reigning in life. That means, you know what, God, I know it's coming. I know I walk out these doors. I know, man, the enemy's just waiting to wreak havoc inside of my life, in my marriage, with my kids. I know he's coming. But no matter what he does, because I've received this abundance of grace, grace is what? The empowering presence of God inside my life. God, I thank you that you give me the grace to believe, the grace to stand, the grace to run, the grace to no longer let go of what you have for me, and I receive the gift of righteousness, dear Lord, I'm ready to reign in life. And so many in this room, and I have conversations, and I so appreciate the honesty, but many of you in this room, only because I know it's statistically true, I'm generalizing something, you live under or you're dominated by different things. Now, now, let me tell you why this is before I share those things. This is how you've been taught. Every sitcom, every movie, every song, every, every person in your life has either taught you how to now respond to life according to what? Going through. According to who you are and according to that was wrong what they did to you and that was wrong what they said to you and how dare they do that to you. And so we just begin to now throw this, this, this comfort of victim-mindedness on every single person because we feel it ourselves. And what happens is you start to build and develop a way of seeing that goes, man, one more person does to me, this to me and I will never trust another soul. One more person, you know what? I just dare somebody to cross my path today because if they cross my path today, they're going to get it. And so what we do is we start seeing through a lens of, I'm just waiting. You know, we're victims. And God's saying, you know what? You're not a victim. You actually have the advantage because I'm in your life and because I dwell inside of you and my spirit has given you the grace that you need. But yet we want to complain about this and complain about this. And so we're dominated. Complaining is proof that you've been dominated by something external. So you're not reigning. It's actually what? Reigning in your life. And so I say this with a serious tone. I know I'm coming across serious, but because I know there has been something offered to you called newness of life. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of, of believing God. It's a new way of living this life that Jesus himself did. I'm not trying to get you to a perfect place of being a Christian or like, you know, Man, you're just so good and so filled with faith that nothing bothers you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when life bothers you, will you reign or will that bothering reign in your life? And so many of us are, live under, we're dominated by anxiety of today. Like anxiousness begins to fill and dwell and uh, well up with inside of us that we start to just we start to now go, man, God, what do I do? God, and what happens is we take our anxious self and we're trying to now cope with life, but anxiety is overwhelming us. Worry of today of how it's going to happen and what's going to take place is overwhelming us. Another one that I see is so rampant is fear of tomorrow. And we want God to show all his cards. We want God to put all the things down on the table 
and we don't take a step until God, man, you tell me what step to take. And sometimes he's saying, take the step. And we're, we're fearful, and so fear begins to reign inside of our life. Shame of yesterday. It has a voice. That voice is never silenced. It can only be ignored. But shame will constantly try to pop up its head and begin to speak to you and saying, you do not deserve what God has for you. You don't deserve a single thing God has for you. And that's why I just remind that shame past and go, you know what? You are exactly right, except you just left out one component that the perfect lamb of God actually died on my behalf. So now I can receive everything he deserves. So take that, shame. And if I want to talk back to fear, I say, fear, you know what? You're just trying to keep me from something that God has for me and up in my future. I know he's calling me in a place that is scary and it's beyond who I am and it's more than I can handle, but he's going to give me the grace to handle it. And anxiety, what do I do with anxiety? You don't even talk back to it. You just cast that thing off your shoulders and say, you know what? You have no rights on my life. I give you to the one who I'm going to respond to. Some of us are under dominated by the insecurity of who we're not. It speaks so strongly to you. Many of you ladies are dominated by insecurity. What you don't like and what you wish was different and what somebody has spoken over your life. I see this one prevalent. Disappointment of how we wanted life to turn out, but it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it. And so disappointment has a way of holding on to us. And so now we talk about this new life, and we talk about victory, and we talk about battle, and yet disappointment is overwhelming us. I'm going to show you why this is, why these things have had a way inside, and they've started when you were a kid. This is not just when you got saved. This is when the enemy was working so much overtime while you are a kid going, okay, man, we need to plant these things now. There has been seeds planted in my daughter's lives, both of them, that are setting them up for what the enemy wants for them later down the road, strongholds. I can, I, can, I can watch it right now. I can see my daughter looking, scrolling down, going, oh, pictures. And I can just hear the enemy whispering, don't you wish you were that pretty? Don't you wish that you looked like that? What does it feel to not look like that? And he's just planting seeds little by little down the road to make sure at one point, either he's going to try to get her stuck on something of trying to get her weight to look a particular way or a figure to look a particular way, or she's just going to now project insecurity wherever she goes. And yet Jesus has a different way of living. Some of you deal strongly with bitterness for those who did you wrong. The truth is they did you wrong. I don't know what they did to you. You don't know what some people did to me. But I've been treated wrong and so have you. I get it. And all I'm saying to you is there's a different way. There's a new way that you can live. Unresolved feelings toward God. So why are we under these things? Why are these things reigning in our life? Because we have not learned how to respond to God. At the crux of it all, there's a life with God of walking with him and craziness happens, this happens to you, this is done, you get bad news here, and it's almost like you just go, okay, God, what do we do? 
How do I respond? How do, I, how do you see this? God, you don't see problems. You only see possibilities. Okay, so Lord, I just got this crazy news about my children. They were diagnosed with, what do you, what do you, how do you respond to that? And now what you're doing is, other than going, oh, dear Lord, why is this happening? Oh, my God, God, God. And you start to freak out because you're walking by what you see. You're learning not how to deny. You're learning to go, man, somebody just said something so mean to me. And they were so close to me. And you look up and you go, Father, what do I do with that? And many of us have not learned how to do this. I'm telling you, I'm loving the learning process. Because I remember, like I shared with you, I was freaking out, 2017, in my car, angry. Just, I felt like I just screamed out the top of my lungs. And all I felt like was God did was he, he laughed. And I think that's just his relationship with me, but I was like, what a horrible time to laugh. I'm not happy, Lord. He goes, I get it, because you're not responding to me. You're responding to everything that you see inside your life, and there's a response to me that can be so precious and so important. And so there's a secret to the life of Jesus. It's why he lived in freedom. It's why he lived in joy. It's why he lived with peace, because he learned how to respond to who? What I'm hopefully empowering you to do is to go to your father. I get life is going to be hard for all. We're, every single one of us are going to bear the weight of affliction inside of our life. We don't know how it's going to come, but it's coming. And when it comes, I just want to equip you, empower you. He is available and he is willing to show you how to respond the way that he would. Look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. Are you guys following me so far? He says, you, this is, you is speaking of the Father, will keep him, speaking of you, in perfect what? You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is where? So as I'm walking this journey with God, and I believe he's leading me, and then this happens that was unexpected, or I got this bad news, or this person suddenly is no longer in my life, or you just name the, whatever problem you're going through, and you get this. My responsibility is to go, okay, I need to put my mind on who? On him. The moment my mind goes here and I start to look at all the different things and I start to practice, oh man, okay, if this happens, oh, it's going to play out that way. It's gonna, what happens is I lose the place of rest with God. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is where? Stayed on you. There's no denying these things. You, you have every right to talk with somebody about them. You have every right to bring them to God. You have every right to know that, yeah, these things exist. These bad things, the bad news, the troubles that you're going through, all those things. But then what does this mean? Whose mind is stayed on you. What is your mind stayed on? Is it stayed on your past? 
Is it stayed on how God's going to take care of your future? Is it stayed on where he's going to provide for you today in your present? Where is it stayed on? As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the Lord began to say, okay, Justin, I know you're fearful over something. Like every time you think about it, fear starts to rise up on the inside of you. And so what I did, which is a natural human thing to do, I said, oh, man, okay, fear, um, can you just hide this, please, for me? And I'd be like, oh, good, feels much better. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to go for a walk with me. And I went for a walk, and he says, pull it back out. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, God. Pull what out? <laughs> oh, that thing that freaks you out every time we, 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 you think about it. Well, no, I think it's better that I walk by faith and not think about that. And he's like, no, no, let's address it. And so this is what was presented to me. All right, Justin, why does that freak you out? And I remember just telling him, because if this doesn't happen here, then this doesn't happen, and this doesn't happen, and then, and then that, Lord, it just, it's bad. Let's not talk about it anymore. He goes, okay, but what about me seeing it? Do you want to know how I see that? And what he began to do was help me to what? Put my mind on him and not this. Because it doesn't matter how well you hide something. Your mind still has probably stayed on, I'm glad that thing's hidden. And God goes, no, I want this thing to be face up. So when the enemy comes at, with, at it with you in a week from now, you can go, oh, I already dealt with that. The Lord already showed me why that doesn't have to bring any fear inside my life. Have you ever, um, I don't know, somebody comes to a kid's school and they bring a whole bunch of reptiles. Like, we're like, we'll keep at a distance. That's a, that's a beautiful looking snake over there. And what the guy's doing is he's going, no, 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 I want you to see you don't have to be what? Fearful of this snake. This snake. Like, you can pet it. You can hold it. Why? I know this snake. This snake won't bite you. It can't hurt you. It's actually very safe for you. And so that's what God does sometimes. When my mind is stayed on him, he goes, I'm going to tell you why you don't have to be afraid about that. And it says, because he what? Trust in you. So this lifestyle of faith or this lifestyle of rest or trust is me learning how to respond to who? To him. I don't know why it's so sobering for me, but I feel like I'm plowing your hearts, getting, I'm trying to persuade you that there's a life out there, outside these four walls, that you have somebody called the Holy Spirit that is walking you every single step of the day, and you either have a choice to respond to him or to respond to what you're going through. And he's going to show you how to walk in this life. He'll power you to do so. And so what are we responding to? I'm not sure if this is on the screen, Nico. Is it to who he is for me? I think it is. Maybe the next slide. Somebody back there today? All right. So faith is responding to him. To what? To who he is and to what he said. I know the easy route. Please, okay, I, want to, I really want you to hear my heart. Anybody ever receive bad news? Okay. What does it do? It, it freaks you out, right? It brings a certain level of fear, anxiousness, how is this going to play itself out? I know many of you. I see faces, and I, I have stories of what you've been through. And what is your initial reaction? It's to grab your phone, to text somebody, or to call somebody and go, 
you'll never believe what I just heard. I'm going to say something again. Hear my heart. We wrap it in going, will you pray for me? But we don't mean that. We just need, I'm freaking out. I need to tell somebody because I'm so scared. And I'm saying to you, before you do that, there's a place of rest and trust where you respond to who he is. This is what I do with my close friend, Dione. Dealing with a fear or whatever it is. I'm going to go first and foremost and bring it to my prayer closet. I'm going to show you what I do. You don't have to model it. It's not a function that you have to perform, but it has to be a relational thing with you. And I say, okay, God, who are you to me in this situation? Well, Justin, I'm your provider. Okay. And what have you said to me, Father God, regarding this particular situation? Justin, I promised you this. All he wants to know is, Justin, will you believe it? So then I make a phone call to my friend Dione. And I say, I just want you to know, Dione, here's what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm facing off with. I brought it to the Lord, and I know he's this for me. And I know this is what he's promised me. Would you agree that I just keep on believing that? So the subject or conversation is not around the problem. It is around my response to my father. It's now one of faith. It's not one of just complaining and I'm worried and I'm scared and I just want to puke all over. Guys, I'm your pastor. Feel free to puke all day long all over me, okay? God has given me a grace to be there with you every step of the way. But I'm showing you there's a place in him where you don't deny it, you can still share it, but something was established in your heart and it wasn't the problem, it was his presence. And when you get there, or when you begin to experience, you go, wow, this is what life is like in him. This is what life is like when you're empowered by his spirit and not just by your natural flesh or your tendencies. So a life of responding to God is relational. I wrote this, faith is not knowing that God is with you. How many know God is with you? Faith is not that. Faith is knowing the God that is with you. I say that honestly because if God's with you, but you truly don't know who he is, you just know about him, you'll be unsettled. But when you realize the Lord is my shepherd, that's who's with me, we're going to be okay. Now what happens? Faith rises, rest starts to settle inside your spirit, and you start to go, I can trust you. Why? Because you're now building your faith relationally, not functionally. I'm not trying to muster up faith so God now responds to me. I'm not even doing that. I'm just saying, Lord, I want to see you for who you are, what you said, and who I am to you. Faith naturally starts to rise up in me. I don't have strong faith. But the areas where I'm weak, I'm learning how to relate with my father and who he is, and faith appears to be strong in certain circumstances. 
It's not because I'm trying to deny or push my emotions aside or go, no, I'm not going to act like that. I'm going to act. No, no, no. I'm responding to him. And if there's anything that you admire about anybody, let's say it comes to my life, if you, you're not admiring great faith. You're not admiring great courage. You're admiring somebody that is trying to learn how to respond to him. Are you following me so far? I'm sorry, it's so quiet in here. So strong faith is all about intimacy. Please hear me. If you want your faith to be strong, it is all connected to intimacy with the Father. When you know the one that's with you, it doesn't matter if you're in the valley or on the mountaintop because you're content with the one that you know is with you. Then how it plays out is irrelevant to you. Yes, you want things to play out a certain way. Yes, you got a doctor's report and you want that doctor's report to be reversed. But when I know that the one who is with me will make all things work together for the good, when I know the one that is with me, he loves me and he's my shepherd and he's my comforter and he's my sustainer and he's the one who is always good and he always has my best in mind and he's always setting me up to see, succeed in what he's called me to do. And if he led Joseph and he led Moses and he led Abraham, I know that God, oh man, I'm okay whether I'm in a valley or when I'm on the mountaintop because I don't want him to do something. I just want to be with him. And now his presence is what? Overwhelming me. It allows me to live a life that is reigning in the valley or on the mountaintop. The people who reign in life are not always the ones on the, the mountaintop. I'm not always going to be on the mountaintop. I won't always live in a place where, man, things are good. Marriage is great. All my kids are doing great. That's not life. That's not reigning. That is... That is me trying to manufacture something. But I realize one who reigns is that if I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Who's with me? My shepherd. And he's a good shepherd and he knows exactly where he's bringing me and what I need at that time. So strong faith has nothing to do with circumstances and has everything to do with who God is for you and who you are to him. You discover those two things and your life takes on a different way of living. Why? Because I realize, man, God, you are for me. God, you are my sustainer, my comfort, whatever it is, and I am your beloved son. Look at Romans 4, chapter 4. How are we doing on time? Doing okay? Romans chapter 4 says, As it is written, I have made you... This is speaking about the life of Abraham, or when he believed, a father of many nations. Now look at what, what, did he, what did God say to Abraham? I have what? Made you. Now he spoke that before what? He ever had a child. Okay, so what is spoken is important. So there's a life of responding. Did what he said, and Abraham was a man who could not have children at that time. So God spoke something from his future into his present, and his present was like, uh, wrong person that doesn't even work here anymore. It can't even happen unless you're figuratively speaking. And God's like, oh, no, no, I don't do that. I'm telling you right now, what I see in your future is going to dominate your presence. And your present now will have to buckle itself to what I've spoken. If you will what? Believe it. Now look at this. In the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead. That's what our God does. He gives life to the dead. That's who the God is that I serve. Who are you for me, God? I'm the God who gives life to your dead things. 
And sometimes, and it's like what Vale said, you bring something that looks like it's dead, and God goes, that's what I specialize in. And we want to start to talk God, but you understand it's dead. He goes, I know I speak life into those things. He speaks life into a dead marriage. He speaks life into your dead, the kids that aren't, aren't living for God in a dead situation, and they're in a dead, dead purpose in your life. He speaks life. And he calls those things that are not as though they are. He says, that's how I live, Justin. I live from a different place in you. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I live from a place where I speak into those situations, and all you have to do is what? Agree with me. And so he's saying, you're going to be a father of many nations. Now look at this. Who, contrary to hope, have you ever been in that place where there's, it's a contrary to hope? Like, we hope this, but we're in a situation where actually everything is telling us other than what we hope for. So it was contrary to hope. What did he do? He re- the responsive life. In hope, he believed. That's a different way of living. In hope, he believed. I don't know what your contrary to hope circumstance is in your life, but in hope, there's a place of what? Believing so that he would. How do you become what God has called you to become? How do you become what he's promised in your life? By what? Believing. That's how the kingdom works. It's completely different. You, you become by receiving, and how do you receive? By believing. In the world, how do you become a CEO? You work your tail off and you work your steps all the way up there. You want to become successful and make a lot of money? You work your tail off. And so how do you become those things? You work for it. How do you become in the kingdom? By believing. And so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, I will make your descendants be. How does AJ become what God's called him to be? Believe it. Now look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not what? So what is weak faith? When you consider what? Yep. This, these, this is the new way of life. So I'm walking down this journey with God. The Holy Spirit's walking with me. I'm confident that he's leading me. And then something happens. Or he promises me something, but it doesn't make sense in my present world. And it says here, he did not consider his own what? It means he denied it. He knew exactly what he was not considering. It says he was not weak in faith because he looked at it and goes, I am not going to consider that. I'm going to consider what you said. And when I consider what you said, it says, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith. Why? Because he chose not to consider something that he had every right to consider. But if you consider what you are going through or what he's called you to, why it could not happen, if you consider that, it will take you down a path of not believing what God has for you. Guys, our presence speaks so loudly to us. 
I remember having a conversation with my aunt like three or four weeks ago, and we were just talking about this subject of present circumstances and faith and what that looks like. And I'm telling you, its voice is loud. Its voice is convincing. Its voice has everything you see to back it up why it's true, what it's saying to you, why this is not going to happen or this possibly could, no way could that happen. And there's no way that you can believe God for that. Why? Because look at what you're going through. And he said, did not consider this thing. So remember, faith is responding Knowing something. Knowing what? That every problem, every problem person, in every circumstance, what? An upgrade or attachment. And I shared that example last week is that if you got an email and you worked for a company for many years and that email says, terminated, I'm sorry we are letting you go because we are cutting back on who we can continue to pay and you're let go, you can either freak out, forward that email, march into the office and respond according to the email or if you just scroll down a little bit, there's an attachment on that email and you click it open and it pops up and goes, congratulations, you have a new job offer at this place that will pay you more. Now you're what? Elated. Because there's an attachment, and I'm saying with God, every problem you're facing, every problem per person has with it an attachment for an upgrade from God. And if you will scroll down long enough to respond to God to that email, you will find something he has in every single moment. So we got news back a couple years ago about summer. Okay, God showed me how to respond, hopefully to him and not to the situation. And now we're raising a daughter who faces off with this thing called diabetes. And so there's challenges and there's hiccups along the way. And we're believing God for this and believing God for this. So I'm looking for the attachment. Now I want you to know this. She's been diagnosed for almost three years. And I still don't know what that attachment is yet. He's given me hints toward it. He's given me hints how he'll use that for her, his glory. And he's shown me now how to help her not to see the email that says terminated. I'm, I'm now as her father helping her to explore who God is for her and what the attachment is to this thing. And maybe it's not for me to discover. Maybe it's for my daughter to discover the very attachment that he has for her. And she's just too young enough and she doesn't have the... Right now, the capability of having this dialogue with the father. So it may be years before she realizes, wow, this is the attachment you had all along. You're going to use this for the glory. You may be going through something with your marriage. You may be going through something with your finances or with the situation. I'm just saying the attachment may be one scrolls down the page. I don't know. But there's an attachment. And when you find the attachment, receive it and go, God, that's one's for me. That's a promise that you've given to this problem. So we are to live responding to our Father's will. Just give me a few more minutes. Some of you may say, well, Justin, I don't know what God's will is for me. And I just wanted to put here for a moment, I think it's on the screen. Nico, put those three, purpose, will, and call. I'm going to do this real briefly, um, but I, I thought it was important to try to communicate 
what's the difference of all three of those? Because we struggle with all those, don't we? I heard people say, man, I just want to know what God's purpose is for my life. I've heard it millions of times. I heard people say, I just don't know what God's will is. And I just don't know what God has <laughs> called me to do. It's hard, isn't it? It's like, man, that, you, when you don't have the answers to those three questions, it's hard to be a Christian. That is for sure. Um, and I know that there's different facets of these wordings. But I want to give you an over our, overall overarching understanding of each of these three. The purpose of all of us is collective and it's the same. We are created to house the Spirit of God on this earth to show forth His glory. That may not sound like it's awesome to you, but that is your purpose. You are living to house the Lord while you're on this earth. Jesus by the Spirit of God, God the creator of the universe, dwells in every single person as received Jesus Christ. That is your purpose, to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to use while on this earth to do, go do in the work of God. So if you keep on asking, what's my purpose? Your purpose is to be a businessman or to go uh, uh, give a lot of money, go be a singer or to go to be a preacher. Your purpose is to house the Holy Spirit while you're on this earth. That is a phenomenal purpose. Embrace it, love it, and let God live his life through you. Amen? You all have housing or the housing capabilities of the Father. So what is his will? When I look at his will, his will is not what college you go to. His will is not what neighborhood you live in. His will is what kind of student you're going to be at that college and what kind of neighbor you're going to be in that neighborhood. Are you following me so far? Sometimes we are so caught up, what is your will for my life, that we're trying to figure out, oh, you want me to be a singer? Do you want me to be a construction worker? All that's great to eventually watch life played out, but I trust God enough that if I follow him, he will lead me to those places. So my will is not, God, where do you want me to live? What kind of house do you want me to live in? How big do you want it to be? God, what kind of car do you want me to drive? God, what college do you want me to go to? God, who do you want me to marry? All those things overwhelm us, and all we do is just get into a massive amount of worry because we're asking questions to God about his will, and then we're like, he's, he's not talking to me. Because his will is not those things. His will is how you perform or how you do those things. So his will is, Justin, give thanks in everything, for that's the will of God in Christ Jesus. What's that all about? His will is about how you live this life. You know what he has? He has a will for every single father in this room. And he'll show you clearly, you want to be a good father? I told you what my will is as a father. So many of us want something out there. God, what is your will? <laughs> See that? I don't know why I just did that. Like, <laughs> that's how we think about the will of God in our life. Like, is it, is it out there, Lord? And then when we don't find it, we're like, oh, man. His will is not that. His will is if you're a son, he has a will. If you're a father, he has a will. If you're a husband, he has a will. If you're a mother, he has a will. If you're a churchgoer, he has a will. Find out what his will is. Just look it up. Then you'll know exactly what his will is for you. And I'm telling you, I don't have to ask God about what his will is for my life because I have so many things right now in front of me. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I'm a pastor. I'm a believer. All those things now have come with it. Wills of God. And now all I get to go do is explore and discover, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my life as a father? I want you to teach and train your kids in the Lord. All right. God, I'm going to do that. Show me how to do that. And what's the call? The call is now what he has you to do while you're on this earth. 
We have a collective calling to go after him, but I have a calling as a pastor. Some may have a calling as a business lady. These ladies have a call of a prayer intercessor on their life. That's where you discover from God. So I say all that to finish with this thought, and I just want to close with this thought, is in order for us to walk in those things, his purpose, his will, his call, we have to take on this posture of a servant. Are you a beloved son or daughter? Okay, five of you. Yes, go get them, everybody. Yes, you are a beloved son or daughter who takes that place just like Jesus did, and now I become a servant to God's purpose in my life, his will for my life, and his call on my life. And now I'm serving at my master's pleasure. Are you following me? So there is a statement in the scriptures that every single apostle took on and said this is the most prized title that one could take. It wasn't apostle. It wasn't uh, pastor. It wasn't evangelist. It wasn't apostle or, or prophet. It wasn't teacher. It was none of those. Do you know what the prized word is in all the scriptures? A bondservant. It's this word, and I do, I, I'm, I'm taking time for this specific reason. A bondservant is the word doulos, which means this. And I did not put it on the screen, but it says this. One who completely belongs to another and their entire life is shaped by the will of the master. So my life completely belongs to him and his service and my entire life is shaped now by his will for my life. And it says this throughout the scriptures. I won't read all these. Romans 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord ourselves are bondservants for Jesus' sake. Galatians 1.10, For we do not persuade men or God, but I, or do I seek to please you? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Uh, James says, I'm a bondservant of God. Peter says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jude says, I'm a bondservant in Jesus Christ. I say all that because at the end of the day, a responsive life is me first surrendering everything to him. Say, okay, God, I'm yours. And now I will bend according to your will for my life in every situation. And now I choose to serve you in every moment. So when this bad news comes, Father, how do we respond to this? Justin, this is how I see that situation. They slapped you on the cheek, turn the other one. And we don't do it reluctantly. We go, I'm at your service. And we turn the other cheek to somebody that did us wrong. Father, they spitefully said things against me. Justin, how do we respond? I want you to bless them. I have that attitude if I didn't first say I'm at your, I'm at your will. You cannot be responsive to the Father if you haven't first given up your will. Then you're truly living. And I'll close with this statement from my daughter, Carly. I remember sharing it with you. She had a juice box. It had one of those straws that was stuck to the back of it, and she didn't know how to undo the straw or get the straw in the little 
tinfoil hole. She walked around, and I said, Carly, uh, can I have it? I'll help you. And she held on to it dearly. Didn't want me to take it from her. Okay, For a half an hour, she walked around the house unwilling to give me the juice box. I found it 30 minutes later. All together, the straw was still intact on the bottom of the stairs. She never enjoyed what was in the juice box because she was unwilling to let go of it for a moment and let me give her something so she could access that juice. And the same thing is true with us. Unless we let go of our will and go, he goes, but I have something so much better for you. A life of responding to me every step of the way, even though it's going to be hard, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you a grace to do it. Amen? Father, I pray right now for every single person in this room that they're learning how to respond to you. That sin no longer is master over them. Depression no longer has mastery over them. Anxiety no longer has mastery over them. Fear no longer is controlling them. Worry about tomorrow and fear of what's to come no longer has mastery over them. Father, I speak to your sons and daughters in Jesus' name that they are ones who are beloved of you and they will reign in this life because of you, Father God. I speak to those who are victors in this room. I speak to those who are overcomers. I speak to those who are more than conquerors inside this room. That's who you see them to be, Father God. And I thank you that you're plowing their hearts and you're raising them up to be everything that you've called them to be to fulfill the purpose of housing you on this earth, to fulfill the will of God of whatever it is that you've called them to do. Father, I thank you that we are a people that have been chosen by you to represent you wherever we go. And I pray that they keep the faith, Father God. I pray that they run the race well, and that they don't give up and they don't quit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may stand with me for a moment. Come on, let's give Jesus a big...